Serenby is like an onion. There's so many layers and some of the layers are important to you, right? And some you may not, may not be important, but it is the hundred layers that make up what Serenby is and that it's so dynamic and that you can't just put it into a single box. This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Okay, so today... On the Second Wind Podcast, I have a wonderful woman that I've probably known for 14 years now. Her name is Garni Nygren. And if you haven't heard of her, she is the Director of Operations at Serenby, which is a wellness community in Chattahoochee Hills, Georgia. And we have a little history in that about 14 years ago, my husband had been uh, courted by said Serenby to come open another type of pub besides Maguire's pub in one of the areas they were going to build on. And he said no, but I was so impressed by Garney. She was our salesperson for the day and she was just on fire and so good and answered all of his questions and all of his New York very blunt, direct comments. And I was just like, wow, she is handling this guy so well. And then I asked her afterwards, I said, so I want you to meet my (laughs) brother-in-law. Well, that didn't work out. But fast forward and I move to near Serenby, not in Serenby, because we needed land, as you all know, for the rescue animals. However, I've been watching Serenby grow and grow and grow. And I am so thrilled to be close to it because it's so special. And I meet Garni again in a yoga class. She's, I don't know, six, seven months pregnant and doing these things, these poses that I can't do with this big baby belly. I was just, again, impressed. And then with the second wind podcast, I had mentioned to her and she said, oh, I might know some women that, that would be great for the podcast. She's just one of those people that you feel like no matter how well or not well she knows you, she's there for you. It's incredible. So Garney Nigren, welcome to Second Wind, the podcast. Thank you, Wendy. That was a extremely lovely and gracious introduction. And I'm I'm happy to be here today. Why, thank you. And I ad-libbed all of that. (laughs) So there you go. But I want to jump right in with you. First, let's explain what is Serenby and who better to do that than the the woman who has eaten, drank the Kool-Aid and lived there her whole, practically your whole life. Yep. So I always ask people when I'm explaining what Serenby is, I'm like, do you have six minutes or six weeks, (laughs) right? Because I can talk about it for six weeks. Right. Um, 
but in the 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 60 second uh version right is uh we started out it 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 started out very much um is a family project development passion project of how do we save the trees um how do we save the forest and land and what evolved from how do we save the forest and land um, grew into the community that is now Serenby. so a thousand acre neighborhood that is 40 minutes away from Atlanta, 25 minutes from Hartsfield, um, that truly has set out to think about a couple key principles. Um, how do we protect green space? So 70% of Sanerby's land is permanently protected green space. Um, how do we intentionally think about the built environment, right? And how the built environment both inspires us from architecture and how the built environment brings us together and creates community. And so kind of from these three founding principles of protecting the green space, um, creating beautiful places through architecture and building places that uh, create community, we um, have found that over the last 15 years that intersects um, at, at, at wellness, right? And so mm -hmm. as you said in your introduction, so many people have now summed us up in saying, when you try to say like, what is Serenby, um, that we are a wellness community or wellness neighborhood. Um, and, you know, we've often found that like Serenby, when people will try to say like, what is it? Um, and the like dimensional of being able to describe it like within one or two words, I always say like Serenby is like an onion. There are so many layers and some of the layers are important to you, right? And some you may not, may not be important, but it is the hundred layers that make up what Serenby is and that it's so dynamic and that you can't just put it into a single box. So I'll stop there. Well done. Well done. Yeah. Because you drive in and you're driving into this. It's, I don't even know how to describe it. You just feel safe and you feel like you're getting a big hug, I guess. When you, yeah, when so you many people, in. yeah, so many people say, I'll say that like adults say, adults say exactly what you're saying, right? And we'll say that you just like take a deep breath and mm -hmm. you feel the stress like roll off. Um, and then it's interesting, the innocence of children, right? Like before we have all these layers that we we find ourselves in as adults in society. But children who live here, I think sum it up perfectly when they're pulling in, they're like, we're home. Right. So like for kids that live in the neighborhood, home is not their four walls like home. They feel like that sense of safety and sense of security and sense of familiarity and being taken care of the minute they pull into the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Um, you see them everywhere. Yeah. And they're all hanging out. And, and that kind of takes me back to to, you know, that's how it used to be before society got so complicated. Yeah. And it becomes this really interesting thing, right? When it's like, it's how it used to be, or that's how I grew up, or that's when I had meaning in my life. And I'll, mm -hmm. I'm kind of, I'm very fascinated by how, where we've come societally, that these things that we yearn for, right. Of like how it used to be that we don't, we, we're not creating accountability in ourselves or like in society that like, we can still live that way. There's nothing about like modern day technology or building principles that like don't allow us to live that way. Right. right? It's it's really of our own demise. Like we have created our own worst enemy. Oh, absolutely. And then we and then we feed it by kind of continuing to accept status quo, right? Of just kind of living in places that don't inspire us and that don't don't have that sense of community and safety and purpose. 
right? So, yeah. And that's part of, and I'm bringing this to second wind because your environment, how you think about it, how you live in it. Yep. It all goes hand in hand with your, the total picture of your well-being and where you are in your mind and your body, how you think, how you, how you send your energy into the universe. It all is hand in hand. And what's really interesting is you have people from all over the country moving yep. into Serenby. I am seeing license plates from all over. What is, do you have a license plate of a new, who's, who's the furthest away, would you say? So furthest away, probably is it, so what's interesting, the furthest away of somebody who's never been to Atlanta, right? So we literally have someone, so we have a family moving from Arizona. Okay. Had like never physically been to Atlanta before they bought their house in Serenby. Oh my gosh. They just like looked online and. This is a great story. They Googled, they were, they were flying back from London um, thinking like we thought we were going to move to London, but didn't want the dreary, like February winters. Mm -hmm. And so made a list of where a place that they would want to live like anywhere in the world, basically that not even, you know, anywhere, anywhere was on the table. Um, and they read an article in a magazine and were like, we think that maybe this is it and got on a plane and came. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that would be part of the, um, intuition. Maybe someone in the family was feeling some sort of way and then they read this article and it all comes and maybe there's something here at CERN before them, or there's meant to do something. Yeah. And we find that when you're um, creatively oriented, right? So when you, when you find yourself like really being inspired by creativity and wanting to live in places that are like aesthetically inspiring and orient, just beautiful. Right. And then you layer in food being important, not only like how it's grown, but the type of food, um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like my type of food, quality of food. And then you want community and you want a commitment to the arts and you want a place where your kids can grow up. Like when you start to layer all of these components in and you want a great yoga studio and you want <laughs> like cold pressed juice. That, <laughs> yeah. Like a place that has a Pilates like reformer studio, right? You start right. layering all of those things in. There aren't, what we have found is there just aren't many places in the country that offer all of those components. Yeah, you were telling me what makes Serenby unique is that you have all the things. Yep. And a lot of communities focus on one thing. Right. Like we'll have developers come to us and say, we're putting a farm in, right? Like, because Serenby is very well known. It, I think it was like eight to 10 years ago. Somebody wrote about us as like a found, an agrihood and came out with the word agrihood. And okay. we were like, what is that word? Like Serenby is more than an agrihood because it's not just farms, right? right? There's so much more. And the term went viral and like literally agrihoods are like one of the, you know, create the new things in development and real estate. So we embrace like, yes, we're an agrihood. So we'll have developers come and say like, okay, we're putting a farm in. So now we're an agrihood and we're like, okay, it's not just the farm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why, why are you putting the farm in? And no, you can't put the farm at the entrance, like a gate, like farmers, like the point of growing the food isn't so people see it. It's to have it as part of the components so that you can have a farmer's market 
and you have a CSA pickup, like for us, the CSA starts today, community shared agriculture. Uh, for anyone mm-hmm. that doesn't know what a CSA is, you buy a share, you, you pay a farmer at the beginning of the year, which is like your share in the farm mm-hmm. and your dividends throughout the year are vegetables. Um, so you're supporting the farm financially and then get vegetables throughout the year. So CSA share. So our CRMB farm CSA starts today for the season and, um, we'll run through November, but one of my favorite things during CSA season, which is like almost nine months out of the year is we'll walk to get vegetables on Tuesday night and walk them home. And so it's a weekly family ritual activity and we eat vegetables all week long that have never been in a car and grown by someone we know. And they're organic. They're organic and harvested within 24 hours of, of picking them up. All of these things. And so we'll say to developers, like, that's why you need to do a farm, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But because you're committed to, to creating both that quality of life and food, and you're committed to food sources. And we're committed to like figuring out how, you know, throughout the nation, we ship all of our food in instead of growing it. are and eating seasonally and, and educating all ages, like kids in Serenby. So Grange, our second neighborhood, um, 70% of everything we've planted is edible. So it's really interesting when you start to look at places, you have developers and um, government like cities, towns who spend all this money on landscaping. Ornamental landscaping is the same cost as edible landscaping. But so so there's not a cost difference, right? But so like in Grange, all of our, uh, and all of the crosswalks for pedestrians, all, they're all blueberry bushes. Did not know that. And so in the summer, kids are like, if you say to a child who lives in Serenby in the summer, like who wants blueberries, they go out of their front door and are picking blueberries. And so it's this wonderful thing where you're also, they're learning seasonality, right? Like they know kids start to learn the eight weeks of the year that you can get blueberries and maybe yeah. we shouldn't eat blueberries year round, right? Maybe we should eat blueberries when they're growing. So anyways, it's all of those different layers and components that um, that we think about when we think about agrihoods, right? It's not just like put a farm on the street to sell houses. So love all that. Tell me this. How did you guys even get to Serenby? How did Serenby even start? How did Garney become the COO? <laughs> Serenby started so um, back in 19, 1991. So my mom is a native Atlantan. Um, fast forward, went to Woodward Academy um, for anybody, um, grew up near Woodward. So fast forward to 1991, she lived her whole life in Atlanta. So knew Atlanta well. Uh, we lived in Ansley Park in Midtown. And my mom saw an ad for an old 1905 farmhouse for sale on 60 acres in South Fulton County with rolling countryside. And she was like rolling countryside in South Fulton County. Like, I can't imagine. Let's go see it. So I was seven, Kara was five, and Quinn was three at the time. I have two what years. was your dad doing at the time? He had just taken his restaurant company public. So he, a restaurant had, company. he had a restaurant company that was, he had just taken public and were growing to about 34 restaurants in eight states. And so he said, he, my mom, Marie, he was like, we're not buying a, we're not buying a farm. <laughs> like he grew up on a working farm in Colorado. Um, he's like, we're not buying a farm. We're not buying a second home, but sure we can go see it. So called the person selling the farm and said, I have three little girls. We have absolutely no interest in buying the farm, but we would love to bring them out just on a weekend drive. Um, and anyone who <laughs> sells something says, yes, right. Absolutely come. And not only yes, but has the horses saddled. 
right? Oh. <laughs> so um, two weeks. And so that 60 acres is what's now the inn. So what anybody, if anybody comes and sees the inn at Serenby, um, that 60 acres is, is, was a rundown old 1905 farm that's now the inn at Serenby. Um, but two weeks later, my mom said, I don't know why, but I think we need to buy the farm. And my dad mm. said, happy wife, happy life. You know, we'll buy the farm. We'll go once a month for the day. We'll probably never spend the night and we'll sell it in two years when we're not using it. Okay. So we leased out the- almost to prove her wrong. Exactly. No, just to like, just like what we're not going to like, my mom did not like the country. Like she was definitely a city girl. Huh. Like she didn't like dirt. My dad was like, what, why are we buying a farm? Like, we're not going to, you, you know, everything that we have, everything that we want in the house in Atlanta. Um, and so we leased out the main house, the 1905 farmhouse that, um, was leased out. And there was an old 500 square foot, two bedroom, one bathroom cabin built in 1945 that was kind of run down that we fixed up in case we ever wanted to spend the night. Okay. <laughs> and in case we ever wanted to spend the night turned into every single weekend. Oh, no way. Car was parked with, and we had everything that resources could buy in the house in Atlanta from pink Barbie rooms to a big pool and all of the things. And all we wanted to do was come down here and pile in the 500 square foot cabin with no TV and oh my God. Run the woods and put together puzzles and read books. And so at the end of the three years or end of, at end of three years in 1994, my dad was kind of like, what are we doing? You know, like we have this big house in Atlanta with everything money can buy and nobody wants to, to be in it. Everybody right. wants to go down to the farm. Um, and I'm traveling all of the time because the, the, the opening more and more restaurants around the country um, and kind of like life's too short. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so he had written in a cash out option at the end of three years after taking the company public. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to exercise it. I'm going to sell the rest of rest of the company. Let's sell the house in Atlanta and let's retire out to the farm. What we called the farm. Um, and, you know, he talks a lot about he had been successful at a young age and had seen people like go through second and third families because they didn't make time for their first family. Right. And, and on the second or third family made time for that family to not make the same mistakes. And he's like, I'm going to make time for my first family. And I have the ability to do that. Wow. And so moved out here for what he thought was going to be full-time retirement. So yeah. What, yeah. So then Serenby was the word Serenby was created in 19. So we moved out here full-time in 94 and 1995, we had two family and friends who were coming for a weekend, ended up staying six months. Um, because we had the space and they were going through like midlife crises. One was a divorce and, uh, another was just like an artist from New York who could, didn't know where she wanted to be. And so we had another family friend joke, well, you should open a bed and breakfast and post rates so that they, people know what it costs to stay for six months. Um, and it's a tax write-off because all of the improvements that you do right. are bed and breakfast. So, okay, great. So we'll open a hobby bed and breakfast. So create, my mom created the word Serenby out of a place to be serene because for her and for my dad and for us as a family, it was when we stepped off the treadmill, right. And took the time just to, to be, to stand still on the earth that we found all the peace and serenity that we were so busy chasing. And I think we see that so much in society, right? We're all on this treadmill. And if we go a little bit farther and a little bit faster and make a little bit more money, 
all of the things that well, then we can do it. Then right? we'll be happy. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, and it's sometimes, most of the times when you step off and just find peace with where you are, that there you are. And right? that's all you need. And that's all you need. And so serenity, a place to be serene. So the land and the place and the farm was a place where we found that. Um, and the original logo is literally a cursive, like it's, it's totally in cursive. There's a dot between the serene and B and it's a little girl with a pig, like for literally a country bed and breakfast. So Serenby bed and breakfast with four rooms opened in 1995. Um, and so I grew up like pouring coffee and orange juice, um, in my Woodward <laughs> form, checking people in Kara and I ran a restaurant the summer that I was 15 and she was 14 for bed and breakfast guests, because at that point, like you were going to Frank's by the gas station, yeah. going back to Atlanta to eat, right? Like there was no really food um, yeah. on the South side at all. Um, and so that's what, that's how Serenby started. And then in the fall of 1999, my dad and I were on a run, headed back to the house, what's now the main house at the end and came upon a neighbor who was clear cutting 20 acres adjacent to us. And my dad stopped um, and ask the man on the bulldozer, what's going on and why are you here? And he said, I don't know, but usually when I've been hired to clear cut land, it's because somebody's putting in a housing development. Ah. So 1999 was the height of the sprawl of Metro Atlanta. Right. And, um, a lot of people who live in Atlanta today weren't here in the nineties. So don't have that kind of like, um, reference point that Alpharetta was horse farms. Like in 1999, Alpharetta was still horse farms. Um, and so my dad went into total panic mode, thinking that the quality of life that we had fallen in love with was about to be totally destroyed um, and that we were going to be surrounded by anywhere, what I affectionately call anywhere USA, right? Just the subdivisions and strip malls where you literally could be anywhere in America. Right. Um, and so he started calling all of our neighboring landowners and ended every phone call with, if you ever decide to sell, please call me first. And 72 hours later, everybody called him back. Five weeks. Yep. Everybody called him back. And five weeks later, he owned a thousand acres. Oh my um, gosh. So he bought everything that he could not because he wanted to own it all, but because his panic mode went into like outer space when he was like, these people aren't calling me because they think I'll do the right thing with the land. They're calling me because I called them. They're right. literally willing to sell just because I picked up the phone and called. Oh and so God. I didn't know that we're going to just be surrounded. Like we're going to have to move and we don't want to move. So um, literally he woke up with a thousand acres and said, okay, I know three things. I'm going to run out of money. If I keep buying land to, to do nothing with it, boundaries are endless. And to really protect your quality of life, you need to own 20,000 acres and not many people can do that. Mm. And then third and most importantly, he was like, as somebody who is a capitalist and believes and that you can do good things through making money, you can mm -hmm. do good, do well. Mm -hmm. And someone who is like a, loves the land and wants the trees to stay effectively. I'm mm -hmm. finding myself, he's like, I'm finding myself as a capitalist wanting to chain myself to the trees for them not to be cut down for, for anywhere USA. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the way that the real estate community builds anywhere USA is bulldozers come in and take everything down. Not a right. single tree is standing. Right. So he was like, there has to be some way that we can make money that we can, be developers and protect the trees that those two things can go hand in hand. And so that's truly how Sarenby started was to be a model because as it turns out, he spent a year traveling around the country looking for that place and it didn't exist. 
So oh, there was wow. anywhere in the country who was following like the development um, practices and thinking about a place like. So like, he was looking for proof of concept. Totally looking for proof of concept, and it did not exist anywhere. Oh wow! Which actually, which made him even more concerned, right? Because uh-huh. like I have resources, and I can't find anything. So. Like if I can't find anything and I want to find it, right. The people who don't even really care definitely aren't going to find right. that that works. Right. And so like, we, we literally are going to destroy the built environment as a, as a, as a development community, we will continue to destroy the built environment and take all the trees down and build anywhere USA because nobody's creating an alternative option. Now, would you say that because of this, thought process that your dad had has that has that shifted do you think in development was your dad on the forefront of shifting i think we were still on the forefront yeah i mean i i think that absolutely he was and continues to be right like serenby is 15 16 years old i think that 50 years from now we'll look back and probably maybe serenby will be the way a lot of developers like think about places um, so you're still, we, I mean, we still see every day and you look at what's being built all over the country. We're still, when we think about like built environment, very much doing the, like whatever's easiest and fastest in the way that we've always done it. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, so much has shifted in the last 15 years. Um, but there's still so much that from a, um, an industry standpoint, there's still so much to do, um, in terms of work of like how we think about building places. And that's something that I'm extremely passionate about um, because it's, I mean, it's, it's fascinating, right? We, so societally, we have access to more information and wealth than we've ever had. Mm -hmm. We are unhappier and unhealthier than we've ever been. Yep. And those two things don't make sense, right? Like if you said to someone, like you have all the information and all the financial resources to do something, and we have now ended up in a place where we are literally have more people on antidepressants than we've ever had and have more disease and obesity than we've ever had. Like, and so I think so much of that is tied to the built environment and that we no longer live in places, um, where we are connected to neighbors, where we walk, um, where we find sense of community, sense of place, sense of like sense of being um, connected to nature, connected to all of the, all of the things. Right. So all of that comes down to the built environment that the real estate community is creating. Right. Interesting. So, yeah. So you're as an individual consumer, you can't just say like, I'm going to go create this. Right. It's just not possible. Right. And so it's the responsibility of the real estate community to partner, you know, to partner for the supply side to create optionality for the demand side. I love that. So so you and your sister, you're bebopping around. Saren B starts to grow. Your dad can't find what he's looking for. So he says, well, I'm just going to build it. <laughs> yes. Basically. Basically. Right. Was, my dad literally was sitting with us. It was probably, so Saren B, it was like 2002, 2001, 2002. And he was like, your college, we have all the money for your college is set aside. But if we do this, if we go put an asphalt street in the middle of the woods with sidewalks, um, we're going to maybe kind of like roll the dice and risk it all because this is pretty crazy. 
Mm-hmm. We were like, sure, that sounds great. But I remember going to college and it was like, dad's talking about building houses in the woods. We don't really know what that means. It's kind of so right. easy because it was literally just our woods. It was like the, the woods out like on the farm. Right. And let's be honest, um, because we had opened up our restaurant in 2008. Yep. And it was not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So we, the first people moved into the same. That was region. scary. That was, it was risky for us. And I thought about you guys too. I was <laughs> like, wow, it's a little risky for us. And we're just one little family. I can't even imagine what the stress level was like for you all. Yeah. So we, the first person moved in and we started selling lots in 2004. The first person moved in in May of 2005 and then 2008 hit. Mm -hmm. Um, We fortunately, you know, it's, everything is hindsight 2020, right? At that time, we fortunately, the first neighborhood was almost done. So we had at least like a little bit of something that people could touch, right? If we Mm -hmm. had just coming out of the ground in 2008, it probably would have been over. Um, that was a failed experiment. Wow. Um, but those four years of what I will, you know, always lovingly refer to as like, you know, the dark days, hell in a handbasket. Yeah. (laughs) The dark days, the four years of the real estate, great depression. Um, it was, you know, it was, well, one, we survived a lot of places didn't survive and we survived. Um, and I think that's so much because everything that we had to offer was, um, something that people were clinging to. Right. And we were able, because we were small enough, um, we're able to be gritty and resourceful and just mm-hmm. like find a way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting now with COVID is when March hit of last year, I think anyone who lived through 2008 to 2012 in that time period in an industry that was just like in financial ruin. And if you, if you live through that four years in an industry that was ruined, you can't help, but like, I think for the rest of my life, if whenever a recession sets in, it will be a visceral response of like, are we going to, are we going to lose everything? Oh right? yeah. Oh yeah. 2008 to 2012 was. So when March hit during COVID, it was kind of that for four weeks. Like, is this happening again? Right. right. Especially when everything was just shut down for six weeks. Right. Like, are we going through this again? Um, but little did you know, little did we know <laughs> that basically COVID was going to fast forward us as a society, 15 to 20 years. Exactly. Like in, in a matter of six months yeah. of reshifting, like, oh no, we can work remotely. Um, and so you can live where you want to, and not only live where you want to, if you have to be shut down, if your kids aren't in school and you have to like quarantine, for three months, do I like where I live? Right. And most people's response to that is, is no. Right. Or you, all of a sudden you look around in your house and you're like, I don't really, there isn't that much great stuff here. Like I don't live somewhere where I can walk and I don't live somewhere where I have access to nature. Right. Um, and my kids are going crazy because they can't go anywhere. Right. We have our house in our backyard, but that's not really enough connectivity if you're, if that's what you're looking at for three to six months. So, um, little did we know that Serenby and just kind of this overall quality of life, um, that COVID was going to help expose to people, um, everything that, that, that it can bring to your quality of life. Give me an example, Garney. So you went from, let's go back. Cause it's, is it today the day that they started shutting stuff down? Yes. I think it is. How weird that we're talking to the week. It's been a year. Cause, um, week. 
having our Irish pub, yeah. you know, we buy yeah. everything, you know, you dump a ton of money into your St. Patrick's day. And then it was like, <laughs> Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, anyhow, can you give me an idea of, of the growth? Do you, do you know what kind of growth you've seen since COVID hit for, for therapy? Yeah, it's really, so 2020, we basically doubled everything that we did in 2019. And we probably could have tripled if we literally physically could have. Wow. So come August. So by August of last year, we basically had sold anything that we could sell that you could move into by the end of the year. Mm. And we've been, we've been racing to catch up like ever since. So, and I think, you know, I think we've got a, I think we have a, it, I think we have a run, a good runway of three to five years, if not for like the life cycle of the project when we sell out, because I think something like COVID, you know, with the length that it's been of an entire year, um, I think the positive, hopefully, and I'm always the, like, where's the lemonade out of the lemons, the positive that will come from COVID is that it's not a, it's not a shift of behavior that's going to last for just a year. Right. Right. You know what? I I hear people say, I want to go back to the way it was. I'm like, no, let's not do that. Right. Like let's, let's take the good and bad, right? There's some stuff that we know is not working well. Like remote learning is not good for everyone. Right. But the change of like, yeah, we don't have to work from eight to five, right? Like Mm -hmm. we don't have to, meaning we don't have to be in an office from eight to five. We can create flexibility for people so that maybe you're in an office one to two days a week, or you're there for a couple hours, right? So that you can truly, you can live where it makes sense. And you can, um, you start to think about like, and all of the things I just talked about of like, where am I living is where I'm living, where I want to be, not where I have to be. Right. Um, and I do, I think that we're going to, as a society, take like the benefits of this year, because a year is a long time. Like that's real behavior change, right? right. Like that, that creates true systemic change when you have had to do something for an entire year. Right. They say three weeks, right. Let alone the habit, <laughs> <laughs> let alone 12 months. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So tell, tell everyone who has no idea what, what Saren B is all about. Cause I'm sure people are going to look now. There are how many, how many homes, how many, re- how many restaurants I can, I mean, I can tell them cause I go to all them all. <laughs> But what, what does Serenby offer someone? Absolutely. So um, Serenby in total will have, so of the thousand, Serenby's a thousand acres. Of the thousand acres, uh, we will have 700 acres of per- permanently protected green space and five neighborhoods that then um, has approximately a thousand homes on the other 300 acres. We're approximately 50% built out. So today Serenby um, is approaching like 450 homes um, between the three neighborhoods, um, from a, so in, within that 700 acres of green space, often we'll have people say like, where is the green space? And I forget that a lot of times when people offer green space or parks, it's this area over there that you have to drive to, or that's like, so the green space at Sarah is interspersed throughout. And one of the, one of the benefits that I love the most is we have 15 miles of walking trails. So like anybody can go within 30 seconds of their front or back door and jump on a trail and you can go on a 10 mile run or a quick 10 minute walk with your dog. Right. And so that's just, and they're true trails. I had a, I had a really avid runner be like, 
are they actual trails? And I'm like, what do you mean actual trails? And they were like soft surface. I'm like, oh yes, we don't pave our trails. So again, like we're so used to trails being this like asphalt organized mm-hmm. trail. Like, so 15 miles of soft surface dirt trails that you can, that is just huge. Um, we have four restaurants, um, four restaurants and growing the future of Serenby. We could have 20 plus restaurants. We right. have a small hotel, the inn. Um, with plans for two to three more larger hotels within the neighborhood. We have about 35 independent like retail businesses. Um, and we say independent, like we say, and we don't own the buildings or the businesses. So we have true entrepreneurs that are here operating from a great bike shop to a flower shop to a general store um, to fantastic um, boutiques. We have Acton Academy, which is a school in the neighborhood, a private school in the neighborhood. Um, talk about a COVID growth. They ended the school year in the summer of 2020 with 42 students and will end this school year with 110 students. So oh my gosh. Six, almost 70 students in one school year, which is pretty exciting. So Acton Academy, um, we motto our, our um, third neighborhood. A lot of the commercial focus there is around wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, so both Eastern and Western. So we have a pediatrician, dentist, integrative holistic doctor, the spa, yoga studio, Pilates, um, bamboo juice. It's like just so many things, right? As I, I'll jokingly, not even jokingly, I'll say to people, like, I don't have to leave, right? Unless I want yeah, you to don't. a great restaurant. And people are like, what do you mean you don't have to leave? That sounds so weird. And I'm like, no, like I can put my, you know, as a, I have a two and a half year old and I can put them on a golf cart to go to the pediatrician. We leave the house like six minutes before school starts. He's on the golf cart. Like we don't have to get in a car seat. You can go on a run. You can have a glass of wine. You can like a meal. You can connect with neighbors. You can have great yoga gym, Peloton cycling room, all of that happens on foot. Like you don't have to get in a car for any of it. So that's all the magic, right? Like for me, that that's all the layers and magic of that, that makes the quality of life and living here. And then so high. And it also allows like for me personally, um, of being a a pretty full-time working parent, um, it, it allows for me to have space. I can go to three yoga classes a week, right? Because it's a five minute golf cart ride instead of having to not only set aside the hour for yoga, but then the hour for getting there. Right. right? So right. truly just an hour instead of a two and a half to three hour thing that I do for myself. So I think for anybody who lives here, who is a working or non-working parent and not even a parent, like self-care, being able to do all of the components that really layer into self-care, that it's all here in your neighborhood, um, allows for easy access to it where you don't really have excuses to not do them. It truly is amazing. And how you've evolved within this, are you, are you the only sibling that so doing the Serenby gig? Yeah, we all, I think anytime you're in family business, it's very rare that family business um, thrives in a second generation, let alone maybe, and we're now thinking about, I'm, I'm thinking the oldest uh, cousin is four and I'm already thinking about like, how do we think about this as a third generation in a family business? What are they all going to want to do? How do we, you know, how do we make sure right. everybody lands in different places and they, this doesn't create friction, which leads to like Karen Quinn and I each have very different interests 
which has been great because we don't have friction over who wants to do what and who gets to do what. So I have a lot more interest in, in kind of like the business side of things. And that's where I thrive. Um, Kara, my middle sister has a big passion for kids and education. Um, so she sits on the Acton board and has our summer camp, um, camp Serenby, mm. which is in the summer. Yes. And so she'll serve about a thousand kids in the summer, um, with day camp and, and all of those components. And then Quinn, my youngest sister, um, works on our marketing team as the brand manager and her husband, Lucas has, um, the wine shop and builds gorgeous, like wood furniture. So we've all found our spots of, um, where we can participate and give back and, and be collaborative. And so I hope that for our, all of the, so far there are four boys, right. That we're able to, to pass that on to them and that they can all in, in 30 and 40 years, like have a place or not, um, that they're enjoying at therapy. That's right. Cause your, your newest baby is how old now? He is three months old, three months old. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> and she's back at yoga and she looks amazing people. I'm just saying. So Garney. How can people find Saren B? What should they do? Who should they talk to? So I, so you go to sarenb.com, right? S-E-R-E-N-B. The great thing, and as we're, I would say pre-COVID, we have about six to 700 events throughout the year, right? Harder through COVID. Um, but one of the things that we really strive for at Saren B is that we are ex- like accessible and approachable. There are no gates. Come in, like... If you want to come just like buy a cup of coffee and walk around, that is a perfect way to start to experience therapy. Right. Um, if you want to get a taste of the magic, like booking two nights at the inn, right. To really like soak everything in and walk the trails and go to a farmer's market and participate in either a horseback ride or a yoga class or the spa, just things to like create. And we all, when people say, what should we do? We're like, just come be. Like definitely, you know, try to take advantage of the things that are here, but don't come thinking you have to schedule it all come with walking shoes and just like enjoy being here. Absolutely. So, yeah. There's so many layers and ways, but it's not, again, it can literally just be come for a cup of coffee, right? It doesn't have to be overwhelming. It'd be really neat if we could get more of these communities going for sure. That is a huge passion, right? Of we spend a lot of time um, giving, as we say, we're open source. Like people, developers will show up and with kind of like the measuring tapes and try to look like they're fighting. And we're like, we'll give it all to you. None of this is like, you know. Go do it. Right. We've borrowed it all from right. like the great towns in Europe, right? All the places that were built before we had bulldozers and cars. Um, the place yeah, because one of your neighborhoods is designed from Scandinavia. Yeah, Scandinavian you? inspired architecture, right? It's we built when we built places around people, not cars. On, on the human scale, we built much. We much we built much better places, and so that's all. It's a lot of the towns throughout Europe and in a lot of other countries um, that were built built that are much older than the United States are. And that's where you have those walkable. And what we find is you go, you go to those places on vacation and you have such a great time and you're like, why can't we live this way? Right. Again, that's what we're trying to do of like, we can live this way. We can yeah. live this way. Yeah. And I'm meeting people when I'm, I, I hang out in Serenby and I meet people every day. who are like, Oh, we just moved here. Oh, we just moved here. <laughs> <laughs> And do you live here? I'm like, no, I have a bunch of land, but um, when I don't, I will be moving in. Yeah, I've got that on the yeah. You're like, year list. 
I spend enough time that I kind of am enable. And that's what we say too, is Serenby is that it's a, it can be like kind of the downtown for Chat Hills, right? Yeah. So for people, cause I grew up in Chat Hills when there was, you know, nada, there was nothing like the only, there was, there was no place where you could have like where you could eat or have arts or create community or our only right. option to do that was to go back to Atlanta so that we can be the downtown for Chat Hills. And you have some amazing people who have moved there with great talent. Yeah. Oh, there are some. we have an embarrassment of riches in terms of like the, the dynamic people that, that move here. Um, and that who just, so one of the great things that I love about Serenby is that nobody here knows what anybody else does. Like there, you don't lead with hi, like, what do you do? Right. It's right. Kind of, hi, who are you? right? Who are you in terms of like, what wine do you like? What's your, you know, I'm always like, Ooh, do you like yoga? Like that's one of right. my first like, do right. you like yoga. Let me tell you about the classes. Um, but that's how people meet people here. It's more of like, what do you enjoy? Not what are you doing for a living? And so because of that, even I don't know what half of the people who live in Serenby do professionally. Right. It, but you know, people based on their interests and where um, you see them, where you see them, yeah. and how they're engaging in the neighborhood. Yes. So Carney, thank you so much for, for coming on second wind because our environment is so important and it's really important for us to think about where we are spending our time, especially in our second half of life. What do we want? What do we want to be in alignment with? And I'm a huge proponent of what Serenby is doing. And I suggest everyone come check it out if you yep. can. And do you have any words to leave with us? I would, uh, so one, thank you for having me. And I would say what I would leave with and what I push myself to do every day is like, am I, am I living a life? Right. And am I living in a place, um, where I feel both grounded and inspired. And so whenever I can't answer that, like it's, you know, shifting around and figuring out what I need to do to get either out of my head or change up my environment. So words of wisdom. Yeah. Love it. So Garni, thank you so much. Thanks. Wendy. And I appreciate your time. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.